Appamata and its programs are supported by your generosity and your generosity and support makes such a difference. You can find a link for contributions on the website at appamata.org. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much all for being here. Uh, today is September 12th, 2021. I was very relieved yesterday to, to wake up this morning and not see reports of terrible violence in the world. I recalled the, the anniversary of the 9-11 attacks 20 years ago. But then I thought, well, there's violence going on in every country, everywhere. And that's something that we as practitioners need to be able to hold and to work so that we can help relieve suffering. That's what the causes and the results of violence. So, uh, greetings to everyone in Austin and surrounding communities and other parts of Texas, uh, Dallas, Alpine, I uh, just sent Matt, Sangha members in Madison, Wisconsin, in Minnesota and New Jersey and other states, in Canada, and in the United Kingdom and Switzerland. Thank you so much for joining us uh, and for being here today. Thank you for your practice, which is so needed in today's world. Uh, I have some announcements that are basically drawn from the amazing calendar of offerings at Appamata over the next week. Uh, first of all, members of the Appamata councils are going to be meeting this afternoon on Zoom for the next step in the council level appreciative inquiry process of envisioning Appamata's future. Um, that will be starting at 3 p.m. and I think goes until 5. And um, I want to thank Jessica Steinbomber and everybody that's been participating in this process. Uh, for, uh, Jessica, for her skillful facilitation, and to everyone that's been participating. I have taken part off and on, uh, but what I've been able to participate in has been very inspiring. And this would be this is a, a group that's meeting now, but this is going to be opened to everyone in the Sangha very soon. And it will be, this will shape the future of our summer. It's going to be very important and, and enormously beneficial simply as, a, as an exercise in being open to imagine the future. Um, Young Zen will meet tonight at 7 p.m. Depth and Practice, the study group for Texts will meet tomorrow night at 7 p.m. Uh, that is Monday evening at 7 p.m. Uh, anybody can join at any time. You don't have to have the book. It can be shared with you. Uh, and, and, you know, also everything I'm saying, this is all online. Uh, there will be inquiry online on Tuesday at 12.30 p.m. Austin time. Um, 
starting a couple of weeks ago, Flint has been uh, has begun alternating offering inquiry with entrusted teachers from Appomattox transcontinental community as part of a process of reflection as he works toward Dharma transmission with Peg. Uh, Suzanne Kilkas, an entrusted teacher in Madison, Wisconsin, offered inquiry two weeks ago. I just was watching that yesterday. It's very moving to be able to see her. Uh, and uh, Flint offered it last week, and he's invited me to offer inquiry this week, this coming Tuesday. Uh, later in September and October, um, again, alternating with Flint, Todd Bankler and Laurie Winnett here in Austin will lead, uh, and later uh, Josh Gifford in the UK. Uh, on Wednesday, there will be Zazen and Sharing um, at uh, 12.05, from 12.05 to 12.55. Uh, and I believe that's led by Kim. Is that right, Kim? Oh, led by Ellen. Okay, great. Uh, and in the evening, there will be our Wednesday program uh, of guided meditation uh, led by a member of Council 4, one of the uh, councils at Akumana. On Thursday evening, there will be just this Zen riding uh, from 7 to 8.30. And I believe that's led by Kim. Yes or no? Maybe not. Uh, next Saturday, there will be meditation in Spanish, led by Sandra Medina Bocangel. Uh, that'll be from 8 to 9 a.m. Central Texas time. And Women in Zen will be meeting from 8 a.m. to 9.30. And Buddhist Action Now will be meeting from 2 p.m. to 3.30 p.m. And then we resume the regular schedule uh, the following Sunday. Uh, this week there is no, uh, today, there's no Zen and Recovery Book Group, but that will resume at 1.30 p.m. on uh, September 19th, the week from today. Um, and uh, Robin Bradford and Judy Meyer will be leading a, a writing intensive on Friday and Saturday. September 24th and 25th. And links to connect with directly or to sign up for any of these events uh, can be found in the Appamata main calendar. Are there any other events that I'm forgetting or, or would be good to mention at this time? Uh, just one thing, um, Buddhist action now on this following um, next Saturday, is going to be packing bags for the homeless. And there'll be an email sent from that. So we're gonna be doing that from 10 to four. And we just do two people at a time bagging, one in the Zendo and one in the study. So, and people are entering through different doors. So we're doing that as safely as possible. And we do 200 bags a week, a month. So be alert for that. I'll change it on the calendar so it reflects that but something will be sent out very soon. And also um, on the Wednesday uh, meditation in the, at noon and the Buddha's action now, Ellen is also co-leading that. And the Zen writing is led by uh, really four people, including Judy, Martha, Sarah, Webb, and myself. So 
a lot of people are involved in all of these activities. Uh, thank you. That's the that's the point I wanted to close with. A lot of people are involved with these activities, and uh, I know that uh, Anne and Lori and uh, Nelda and um, I'm sorry, Ellen were involved with offering orientation this morning. So Maria is. Um, monitor right now, Rosemary has been the monitor up until now. I, I have the impression that Rosemary may need to leave soon, but I want to say thank you. Thank you, thank you for all these offerings. It's so important. No, I had. I just wanted to add that um, Laurie has the one day sit on October 8th. Oh, thank you, October 8th. And you can sign up for that on the web. Um, and uh, I will be leading a a, um, a weekend sitting with Todd um, in October. So, and then that announcement will go out soon. All right. Any other? Thank you so much for that, Cameron. Any other announcements? Okay, so I have a short talk today uh, because I want to have plenty of time for an activity and for sharing after that for discussion. Um, I've been listening to one of Joko Beck's Dharma talks. It's available on YouTube, and I believe Maria is going to be able to put a link to that into chat for everyone to be able to follow later on. It's from a session that she led in San Diego in 1992, June 1992, and the, it's been given the title Practice with Thoughts. Um, at, at one point, during the talk, uh, which seems to begin in kind of in media res, as they say in the middle of things. At one point, she reflects on the ways that she distracts herself with physical activity or, or and, she, and she describes some of the thoughts that she has. And she's inviting her students to chime in and talk about the things that come up for them that present difficulties for them. And um, one of her examples that she gives is, I'm no good at this. I should get up and run out of here. I'm just, why am I wasting my time? I'll never be any good at this. She goes on and on. And, uh, and then she invites other people uh, to speak up about the, the distractions they have that they might share with other people, uh, things that arise for them and to explore the response to those distractions that, that could be useful in meditation or as a, as a strategy for dealing with thoughts that seem to be intrusive. And uh, I'll, I'll give away the punchline, which is that it's the same answer for every thought. That she says you should simply label the thoughts in this way. I am having a thought that X having a thought that I should get up and run out of here. I'm having a thought that I'm doing okay right now. Just to, that it's a way of returning to a recognition of what's going on in the present moment for you and, and kind of putting that stick in the ground for that present moment. Um, in response, students describe uh, planning 
planning for upcoming events, or they talk about a constant stream of an interior monologue uh, that is evoking within them uh, aversive or uh, desirous feelings or even neutral feelings that, that then flash by and are quickly replaced by other things. And others say they got drawn into daydreams, um, you know, repeating a narrative. Uh, and, um, and so on. Joko says that she has sometimes invited, advised people who talk about the attraction of daydreaming while sitting. Uh, she's advised, try giving yourself to that completely. Don't treat it as a distraction, but do it completely. Uh, quote here, she says, make sure you really daydream. Don't stop. Don't let yourself have a moment when you're not daydreaming. Um, Joko adds that if you want to resist practicing, you know, if you want to like just disconnect from all this being here in the present moment stuff, if you, you should decide, I am not going to be aware of my moment to moment sensations and thoughts and feelings. And she says, give yourself to that totally, totally. Give yourself to that totally. And I will say, I have over the years experimented with that. I've heard this, this talk before, and I, I've experimented with that. And of course, it's impossible to not have present moment awareness intrude on your delicious daydream. You know, sooner or later, you're going to feel your feet. You're going to notice that you're breathing. You're going to uh, want to adjust your posture and, and have a reaction to that. Um, before I know it, while I'm trying to inhabit a fantasy, I become aware of my body and how my mind is processing sensations. And I can't push that awareness away if I try. In just the way that I cannot completely shut off fantasizing or planning or self-talk when I'm trying to engage in the usual prescribed mode of sitting practice. Uh, Joko also says, in effect, be careful what you value, valorize. Valorize meaning described as being good instead of bad or important as opposed to unimportant to give value to. Um, be careful about what you regard as better or worse in your moment-to-moment -moment practice. Or rather, she says, pay attention to the emptiness of how you are deciding what's good and bad. How those, how that um, decision process is not really a rational decision. It's kind of a, something that is arising out of your, your conditioning, your biology, etc. One student says that she tries to put her planning aside by thinking that being aware in sitting is her, quote, real life. And that she can go back to planning later, but this is my real life right now. And uh, Joko gets a chuckle out of this. She says, it's all real life. How could it not be? And she suggests adding a label, having a thought that meditation is real life and planning is not. Another student says that he sometimes gets fixed on the idea that a particular sensation or thought, something that feels like an opening to the whole universe, if he could just hang on to it, he could just explore it, 
really connect with it in a way that he's kind of bouncing off of, uh, that that would lead to realization or awakening. Again, Choco chuckles. Thinking about your connection to the whole universe, she says, is no different from thinking about what you're going to get at the supermarket. That's what I, I had to sit back when I thought of, when I, when I heard that one. Uh, she says, that's not what we're talking about as realization. She says, there is no real stuff. There's no unreal stuff. There's only stuff. Nothing is more significant than anything else. And there's no you having the thought. So label, label those thoughts. Having a thought that if I could just only follow this sensation, I would really wake up. Joko, I think, really models patience and persistence and humor in this talk. People don't want to wake up, she says. It's hard to do, but don't give up and don't beat yourself up for not living up to a made up standard. The difference between new practice and years of practice, she says, as she's discovered for herself and, uh, and, and from talking with students, is that with years of practice, you beat yourself up less. With practice practicing, you can learn to be content with whatever is actually going on, even the things that seem like non-awareness, even the things that seem like distractions. Uh, personally, I will add one thing that I think that I miss in the way she was describing this. It, 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 and it, it, in addition to the sense of self-compassion that she's revising here, it is an acknowledgement that everyone is contending not only with conditioning, but with their actual neurochemistry, their own brain. Uh, our thoughts are never just one thing. So we have a statue of Bodhidharma sitting on the mantle of, of the uh, altar. Possible to see much here, it's low contrast, white on white, but here's a man in a long robe. Uh, he's standing on uh, a representation of some water. And uh, Bodhidharma was famous for his concentration. It is said that he went to China and he went to the, uh, to a mountain outside of an existing monastery outside Shaolin, uh, or uh, to an exist to a mountain outside the monastery. And he sat there for so long, and his concentration was so great that he actually stared a hole in the wall. Now this may be, you know, this, this is probably legendary. Certainly, this sounds like it's legendary, uh, but. Um, if Bodhidharma was an actual human being, he was thinking with a brain like ours, composed of billions of wet bioelectrical bio circuits that are firing in confounding patterns all the time. And they are doing it in waves that can be measured, that cycle through and influence each other 
and that don't have anything to do with what we think is good or bad, or important or not important. Only as they rise up to a certain level, can we even see them? I mean, a lot of those, a lot of that activity has to do with keeping our breathing going, keeping our uh, blood chemistry in homeostasis, that sort of thing. So they're just, it is a mysterious process. And like Joko says, don't beat yourself up about it. I would just say uh, that's a lot to contend with. So I would say be on your own side. Every moment, remember that you like everyone you meet are swimming against a mighty river. That could help make sitting very still and labeling your thoughts somewhat easier than if you are, if you think that you are personally failing at whatever you're trying to do. It makes it easier to go on and to be patient. As Peg told me the first time I talked with her, you're not ever going to be in control and you can't do it wrong, even if you think you could do it wrong. It's all part of the universe unfolding. So how can you be on your own side? Given a couple of talks about this, based on a book, uh, a recent book uh, by Rick Hansen, one of the authors of Buddha's Brain. But there are certain things you can do. You can, you can place your hand over your heart, uh, invoking your parasympathetic nervous system, remembering that you have connections with people who care about you, and that you care about other people, and that there are good things that you have done in your life, even though you normally want to kind of discount them or think they're not important. You can be on your own side by remembering those things and allowing the physical sensations uh, connected with those feelings and thoughts to, to be welcome within you and to, to offer a place for your other thoughts to nest within. At one point, uh, and this is, this is going to lead to the activity here. At one point, embroidering on what I was just describing here, the student reflects on sitting and mentions the chant that the monitor, or in our Zoom world now, the efficient says on Sundays, great is the matter of birth and death. Time swiftly passes by and with it our only chance. Awake, awake, do not squander our life. That's it. Joko says that taking that message in, remembering it again and again, puts us in touch with life. And the more we are in touch with life, the more we are willing to be with it, to serve it, and to connect beyond our narrow self-centered dream. There was a quote uh, that I read on Friday from Cho. Chogam Trumpa, that says, awakening is a matter of more clearly realizing our delusion. So with those things in mind, awake, awake, do not squander our life. And what does it mean to awaken? Well, certainly part of it is just realizing more clearly our delusion uh, I have a, a, an activity that I would like to propose. Maria, let's 
split. So we've got, there are 15 of us. Uh, let's divide into five rooms, five breakout rooms, three people each. So the activity is to think of the chant. It's great. It's the matter of birth and death. Time swiftly passes by, and with it, our only chance. Awake, awake, do not squander our life. Spend five minutes with that. And then spend five minutes writing down a list of things that have to do with awakening and not awakening. So column A and column B. Column A, holy. Column B, profane. Column A, leading to awakening. Column B, interfering with awakening. Column A, good. Column B, bad. You know, these kind of things. So. And uh, just write down whatever comes to you after thinking about awakening. What is it that leads to awakening that you have experienced today? And what is it that on reflection or in the moment as you were sitting or something like that, what is it that you would say takes you away from awakening? So five minutes on making a list. Each group is going to need a timekeeper. Nancy, I hope your cat can be the timekeeper. That's so great. That cat loves the camera. Um, and then come together in your group and offer your, uh, I would say, one from each column. And then for yourself, with, uh, with the other people in the group, for yourself, you offer your own reframing. I, 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 this is a little bit rude, but I'm going to say, run it through the Joko Beck algorithm. Label it, having a thought that X is leading to awakening. Having a thought that X is not leading to awakening, is disturbing my process of becoming awake, or something like that. Just label it that way. And your, your job as a listener in the group is to simply listen and to see what arises within you hearing each of those two items and how they, and how they shift or don't shift when they are labeled in the way that Joko uh, proposes. Um, so I would say that'll take about 10 minutes. So five, five, ten. We are up to then uh, ten fifty-five. And then I would ask everybody to come back at ten fifty-five and to um, share what has been most meaningful for them in the discussion. Okay. Is that clear? I hope. Five minutes for reflection, five minutes of writing, 10 minutes of sharing. And if you, you know, if you have a lot that you want to say, if you have only a few words that you want to say, divide that 10 minutes up into 
equal amounts and you can just be quiet or compassive if that works for you better. And then come back at 1054. So I would invite everyone to share what seems most alive for them from the discussion that they have. And I will, I'll, I'll wrap up by going last. Anyone want to volunteer about something that was shared in their group or that they had themselves to share? I see Anne raising her hand. Anne? Um, I think for me, the thing that stands out that I felt like was a hindrance was that when I recognized that I wasn't really in the present moment, I blamed myself. There was this feeling of, oh, I'm doing this wrong. Let me get back and do it right. And so that blaming that comes after awareness for me was a hindrance. Was there anything that you named that that um, was that helped you for this precious life? That you, you know, I think for me, one of the big things is just stillness. Just being still. Okay. And did you do the exercise of reframing those for your for yourself and in the group? Reframing them in the, the Joko, you know, I made that joke about the Joko Beck algorithm to say to yourself and to say out loud, having the thought that stillness. Yeah leads to awakening. Having the thought that blaming myself after being distracted leads to non-awakening or reinforces non-awakening. We didn't say those things out loud to each other, but I think we were, that was what we were doing internally, but that was just me. Okay. Thank you. Kim, you are muted now. I'm muted. Yeah, so I think there's a, uh, Darcy and I disagreed a little bit about this, but I think there's a, a possibility of really being too discursive, stepping back and being aware of your thought, but not being in the moment then. So you're leaving one place to go to another. And, um, you know, I'm thinking especially about art making and I don't want to be, I don't want to be aware of exactly what I'm doing because it's more like what I explained to Darcy, more like a Ouija board of, you know, my fun with it is finding out where my hands go. Um, so I'm kind of suspicious of the whole process, I guess, that, that it could make you very inhibited and very discursive to do 
you know, much of the labeling. Like if I'm walking in the woods and I start to say, oh, now I'm walking in the woods. Now I'm feeling the gravel underneath my feet. Now I'm doing this and that. I'm no longer walking in the woods. You know, I, I'm using words and I'm thinking about it. So anyway, at this particular moment, it's kind of, um, seemed, I mean, I think I'm very confused about what really awakening would look like. And are we ever not awake? That's the other thing. Like if we're we're drinking our woes, our, you know, we're drinking our woes. And so now I say I'm, you know, I'm aware of drinking my woes. It seems like less of a, is that really what we want to achieve? Anyway, that's where I'm kind of going with this. Does that make sense? It does. It certainly does from from your life work of making art, uh, which is a different thing than thinking about the words that make up thoughts. It's a different, it's a different mode of operation. So thanks for sharing that. Okay. Darcy, Another you... artist, Joan. Joan, you're muted. Thank you for calling, Kim. You're yeah. still muted there. <laughs> yeah, I was relating to that because what's happening in the moment, if you don't put words to it until after, is what's happening. And even the words separate you from what's happening. We just got into a conversation because we couldn't figure out how to do the exercise and I think it was a rich conversation uh, for all of us. Part of it was being in the moment, but also being still in the moment. There are too many times when thoughts come or memories of the past so that the present moment isn't allowed to just be. And that's in terms of a relationship with a friend. I was talking to a friend and I'd had a hard time with her before. And so I expected that from her again until I just shut up that day and listened to her and heard what her story was. And that was much better than mine just going ahead with what I, what I thought she was because of one bad experience. I don't know how that fits in, but that's part of what we were talking about. And the three that were- So being a good listener is part of being away. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, just knowing what you are at that moment, that's being awake. And the words, as you said, you know, that takes away from it, trying to get the words out. It's hard to not just go off into your head. What did you say, my dear? You don't. Can I say something? Please. Yeah. So now that we get in the group, I understand better what you were trying to tell me, Kim. I wasn't thinking in, like you said, Joel, like my art is a whole different process than what we were doing here. Um, but I understand what you're saying, Kim, because like when I do my, what I call intuitive watercolors, it's not this process at all. My body is moving and, and I don't have a conscious awareness of what I'm gonna do next. 
So, but with this process, I found it really helpful um, to apply Joko's um, formula to the, the things that I listed that I felt were taking me away from the process of awakening. And some of those were thinking I shouldn't be feeling this way. And this happens, you know, when I'm sitting. Uh, it happens in my daily life, too. But thinking I shouldn't think this or that. And thinking things should be different. This shouldn't be happening. That shouldn't happen. When I apply that formula, having a thought that, oh, I'm thinking I shouldn't be feeling this way, very much shifts it for me. And um, instead of just resisting, I'm actually feeling what that thought feels like in my body. Thinking I shouldn't be feeling this or thinking this feels a certain, you know, has a certain embodiment to that. And that's what Joko's formula does. Thank you. That's a, you know, that's much better than I could have said it. Thank you so much. Joan Mueller, you, you are on mute. I didn't want to take up more time, but I would like to find that YouTube one if you would just post the name of it so we can listen to Joko Beck. There's, I think if I go through it again, I can work on it better. So uh, I don't know if you can see the chat uh, yeah. on the screen. Yeah. Uh, uh, Maria Boyd put that link into chat. Okay. I, can e I can email it to you, Joan, if that's oh, more helpful to yes, you. It would. Uh, Thank you very much. Yeah. Disappears okay. uh, at the end of our the end of our sessions. Thank you. Well, I, I said I would go last, so I had I had something. I, I had a lot. It was a lot easier for me to think of what I regard as distractions, as coming as, as things that lead away from awakening, um, such as uh, rehearsing in my head what I was, you know, during meditation today, rehearsing what I wanted to try and express during my talk, uh, and. Um, you know, reframing that, having a thought that it is a distraction from awakening to be rehearsing in my head. Uh, having a thought that rehearsing in my head is just uh, reaffirming my small self, re rebuilding, you know, adding fuel to the, the fire of my small self, having that as a thought. And that, you know, that, that sets up a whole chain of reactions within me. It's like, well, of course that's a thought, but of course it's right. But wait, that's just a thought that it's right. And this, the, the, the key for it to me is the, what Joko said about, be careful about what you're saying is the right thing and what is the wrong thing. And there's not good stuff and bad stuff. It's just stuff. And be content with the stuff as it arises. So that's a... That's a big challenge for me uh, to be able to see that and to 
and to see that as being awakening. So it's not a, it's not, you know, I'm not talking about a process of making something it is examining what's going on in your head right now. Nelda, uh, in our group, brought up something that I, I think I should have mentioned too, when I was talking about all these neural circuits and stuff. And, and, and Darcy also touched on this as well, that those neural circuits also are tapped into glands in your body and the mechanism of your breathing, and your heartbeat, everything. They're releasing chemicals that make you feel certain ways. You know, that, that, and those chemicals take a while to get out. You're not really in control of any of that. So that's another reason to be on your own side and to be gentle with yourself about the reactions, the thoughts, the reactions, the reactions to the reactions, all of that stuff. It's all going to happen. And the, the process of what Joko is pointing to, I think, is the possibility of sitting still and being at ease as all these things come and go, because that's what our life is. Okay, so uh, Maria has also added in chat to email her at Maria Mu, that's with five O's, is that right? After the M? One, two, three, four, five. It uh, is, yeah, four letter O's, Maria yeah, Mu. O's at AOL.com, and she will then send you the link to Joko's talk. So, thank you. Let's have our closing chance. And I'm so grateful to everyone.